Today's episode is a guest podcast episode. I was on Nikki Davies' Developing Inspired Leaders podcast a while ago, and I thought I would share it with you today. It's a great conversation. Nikki is a great interviewer and a good friend of mine. Um, she asked me about the guitars that are hanging on the wall behind me when I'm on Zoom. Uh, we talk about MPA and the MPA process, and we talk about resolving conflict, finding your own personal conflict map, and working with your parental energies to resolve that core inner child's work. We even get into, is Nikki a bad girl? <laughs> Archetypes, identity, it's a fab conversation. I hope you enjoy it. This is episode number 138, which means you can find the show notes today at www.beabrutenhuman.com slash 138. And there we go. Over to you, Nikki. Welcome to the Be A Brilliant Human podcast with me, Joel Young. If you're looking to improve your life, to heal, to grow and mature as an individual, but maybe you found that some of the personal development and consciousness stuff has given you the impression that you need to be super serious and vigilant to get anywhere meaningful or feeling like maybe you're just not up to snuff. Well, this show is here to remind you of your humanity and in fact that that's where your true joy and brilliance lies. With over 25 years of experience in the transformation biz and having developed MPA, one of the world's simplest pressure-free approaches to growth and well-being, if I do say so myself, I'll be sharing tips, steps and insights that'll help you navigate all the aspects of life as a growth-seeking being. On this show, it comes to you with a good dose of humor, maybe a smattering of colorful language, a reminder not to take things so personally, and most importantly, to be kind to yourself along the way. Make sure you hit that follow button, and let's get into it. Hi there, Nikki here, and with me on this podcast episode, I have Joel Young, and Joel and I have known each other for a while. We're actually in a mastermind group together, so it's fantastic to have him on my podcast here. Welcome, Joel. Hello. <laughs> and Joel is the creator and custodian of NPA, which stands for Non-Personal Awareness. And the non-personal awareness MPA process has touched the lives of millions around the world, helping them to stop taking things personally. And boy, do we need help doing that. <laughs> it helps you let go of blocks and start living your dreams. Joel has over 25 years of experience healing and teaching internationally, and he brings a depth of wisdom and a great deal of energy and humor to his inspiring talks seminars and one-to-one -one practice. He has a passion for helping coaches, healers and change workers rise to mastery and do the magical work they were born to do. Hello Joel and welcome to this podcast. Hey Nikki, thanks so much for having me on. I'm looking forward to this conversation, it's gonna be fun. Yeah, for me too and, and I'd really like to start with where your journey started, because I know I can see behind you, you have a number of guitars <laughs> sitting on the wall. Um, and I don't know, there's one, two, three, four, five, five guitars that I can see hanging on your walls. So it would be really lovely if you could describe where you started on this journey and how you got to non-personal awareness as a process. Wow. Yeah. So yeah, the guitars. <laughs> yeah. Well, when I was a kid, I started learning guitar when I was eight years old. 
and I found I had a natural talent for it. And um, born in me was this wish and dream. And basically my, my whole school life was basically that I was going to be a rock star. So I, you know, I, I did all the classical grades and I was in a rock band when I was it, when I was like um, 10 or 11 and went to secondary school, um, no one else played. So I got my friends to get instruments for Christmas, taught them to play so that I could have a band. Um, and we used to go pre-pubescent and play. We had the, the, the village I grew up in was like a, it somehow had lots of music pubs in it. And uh, we used to go and play in between like, the main band would come off and we'd say, can we go on in the, you know, <laughs> oh, wow. our thing. So I'd always been in bands. And then I guess um, I didn't do very well at school. I mean, I did okay. I was bright, but just had no, I didn't see the point. What is the point of these A-level things <laughs> when I'm going to be a rock star and I'm in a band? And um, so I kind of um, flunked out of that and went to college, got into a band that was much more serious, I suppose. And we did okay, you know, <clears throat> excuse me, we... Um, we ended up almost being signed by Sony. We were kind of in the alternative rock scene, sort of punk alternative rock stuff, a kind of a classic middle-class angry young men, you know, wouldn't be seen dead playing a standard chord, you know, thrashing our guitars and screaming at the world. Um, and, and we did pretty good on the alternative circuit. We had a couple of singles out. We were about to get signed by Sony. Uh, had a big European tour lined up. And when I think it was Suede was the band that came along and it was one of those things where the landscape of music, certainly the alternative scene changed overnight and suddenly you're not Suede. We don't want you anymore. And it was like, oh, devastation, yeah. you know, so we kind of fell apart after that. And I ended up um, I'd met my soon to be first wife and uh, we kind of dropped out, went out to Southeast Asia, traveled around and and that was where my sort of interest in personal development came. I was drinking a lot and doing a lot of substances at the time as well. And, and those things all kind of conspired and going away to a different culture, traveling, unplugging. And, and also because she was a singer, we'd come back to basics and doing simple sort of more folky music as well. Um, along that path, she also got sick and um we at the time i was ashamed to say now i was so like no you go see a doctor that's how it works right yeah. um but none of the doc all the doctors just said go away it's, a, it's we don't understand it therefore it's not real it's all in your head but that got us into the path of exploring alternatives and um i ended up kind of um i ended up booking us to go on a seminar with someone called brandon bays who does a process called the journey a book's quite well known in that in in the field um my first wife it worked really well but i think she liked that <laughs> oh. <laughs> because it, it meant change right um although she uh, to be i must say i'll be fair to her it, you know she, she really is into change and stuff now i ought to say well i am saying that it's true but, um, but what I found was I actually fell in love with that process. I realized in the facilitation, because it was one of those workshops where you pair up and facilitate other people, that I was good at it. And I really loved that experience of helping people, of 
but one of the things about it, which is really interesting, given what I do today, is I would get very stuck in doing the process. As I, I knew I could do it well, and yet I got stuck. And it's quite interesting because over time, it's really, I've, I've began to realize that what I'm doing now with, with MPA, I'm sure we're going to get onto MPA, but one of the things about it is it's, I call it the agendaless way. Because how I learned to become basically what Brandon called me the best therapist in the Northern Hemisphere was because what I really did was I threw away the script. <laughs> <laughs> I, I kept true to the essence of the and the, and the nuts and bolts and the, sort of, the, of the process that she was teaching. Yeah. But, but there was a real moment because I would be the person that they would send in when, you know, in a big room full of people. And you'd have delegates going through it. They'd, they'd cross process with other delegates. Then they'd get stuck and then they'd send a trainer in. And then when that trainer couldn't do it, they'd send another one in. And then they'd send me in and I could always seem to resolve it. But but what people would come to me and say, Joe, what are you doing? And I I didn't know at the time, but what I was doing was putting literally putting the script down and allowing myself to be much more intuitive in how I worked with people and really listen and respond to the client rather than using the dogma of the script, which is the essence of what underpins MPA is dropping the dogma. That's why, you know, as I'm passionate about helping, you know, healers and change workers, because I always noticed I, that was the bit I loved the most was helping other people to overcome the struggles and frustrations they were finding with the mechanics of their various modalities setting themselves free to really work in a sort of magical effortless way but through that whole thing that dragged me into this <clears throat> this field a long time ago and uh the rest is history as they say <laughs> <laughs> and and it's such a contrast isn't it being part of a a, a rock band a band and and shifting into that space that magical moment when you discovered that actually helping people I'm good at this and this is something I want to do more of that's a huge shift it's it's a big shift and yet there's there's really interesting commonalities with music and what I do because when you write music there's a thing called the muse same for all artists really they talk about the muse and the muse really is the willingness to listen to what's what's becoming what wants to be created usually the best artists and the best musicians. I mean, I, I look at the songs I've written and I kind of go, who wrote that? And often artists will say, you know, they were just available to, for that art to work through them. And I think in a way, the best therapy, the best coaching is when there's a, a willingness and an ability to get out of the way and listen to that muse or whatever that is in, in terms of people have different names for it, the guidance, the this, the that, the other. But it's like it's it's that willingness to sort of get out of the way, drop the agenda about what's supposed to be created and be willing to sort of effectively co-create with a client what it is that wants to happen. So so, yeah, in a sense, it's a massive change, but I can see the. The skills that I had naturally for the music transfer pretty well to this field. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense to me. I know when. Um, one of the things that I do in, in my company is we train people in coaching qualifications. And um, right at the beginning of the process, 
people start with, well, tell me what the process is, you know, and, and help me learn what the process is and what the questions are that I need to ask. And it, it's, it gives comfort to have a framework to work from and a process to work with. But there's a magical moment when people drop that. And like you say, they sit more into really deep listening not just in terms of what the person is saying, but also what they're experiencing as the person who's listening, you know, that intuitive voice or um, sense of what comes next. What, what do I need to, what, what comes out of my mouth next? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and that's where the magic is. You know, I, I, when I see people drop the, you know, the grow model, and the, the sense of asking lots of questions, we get to a point where um, it is a magical moment and you lose sense of time, it, you lose sense of what's around you and you're just really, really present. The two of you are really present in that moment. And it's very, very powerful, yeah. It is, it's interesting that sort of, I, I love looking at that relationship between structure and chaos. So I'm a big fan of, of um, fluid structures. I think there's a lot of work being done in, in technology with fluid structures, and it's, it's kind of more in the quantum model of reality. But it's like, because in, in the chaos and the fluidity, you have to acknowledge the benefit and necessity for structure within that. But it's the attachment to that that gets people bowled up you know and and but but if you're willing to allow structures to form and fall away as appropriate in the moment or to use the structures that like so you learn a bunch of techniques um but then you need to sort of let go and hold them lightly because then the right technique or variation of the technique will show up which may have a structure for a period that the client needs uh, or you need as a as a coach <laughs> it's like that's what's going to hold the space the best then you've got that wonderful interplay and dance of being willing and available to the to the structures but there's a fluidity that is consistent throughout it mm, yeah that's beautifully said that really is and, and tell, tell us a little bit about the the non-personal awareness and and how that works because one of the things I love about um, the way you introduce it is you kind of talk about how not to take things personally. And boy, how often do we take things personally? You know, <laughs> And it doesn't matter how much you tell yourself, and you actually say this, you know, it doesn't matter how much you tell yourself not to take things personally or not to take this personally, Boy, I don't want to let go of that. <laughs> it's way time. too juicy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, there, but it actually, it makes a huge difference, doesn't it? Not, not taking things personally, being able to drop it. But it can be really hard work to drop it unless you have MPA. <laughs> so unless you have a simple, back. magical way that Good. dropped into my lap in 2007. Tell us about that. No, it, it, it's fascinating. I mean, not yeah, taking things personally. I, I, I've looked around. If you, mostly if you Google it, there's a bunch of very digital things you have to do, which none of which are very clear on what that actually means you have to do. 
Um, to me, it comes down to true realization. And the MPA process, which is very simply six lines long, and you and there's a, there's like a space in it where you put the thing that you're working on, um, and that's a whole other topic, but um, it delivers the perspective that it's not personal in a way that helps you connect to it. And I say it delivers a perspective because people look at it and go, is that an affirmation just saying, well, it's not personal? That's not going to do it. Well, no, because you do it that way, you're trying to sledgehammer it. Um, it literally is offering the perspective, but the way it's set up, um, it allows, it sort of, it greases the wheels for that perspective to land. Um, and when I really got into it, it's fascinating because it did, it kind of popped out of me in 2007. I often say it popped out in answer to a prayer, which might sound a bit woo-woo, but I was at the time teaching. I was teaching all over the world with Brandon. I was teaching her work, rooms of the people, practice full, top of my game, golden boy in the thing. And this weird prayer sort of just happened like, hey, okay, God, universe, whatever. If there's something that wants to come through me specifically, I'm ready. And it was like, oh, that was weird. And then it was a week later, I was sat in Costas in Abingdon, <laughs> journaling, being angry at my second wife. <laughs> and, uh, and, and it's like the words just popped out onto the page exactly as they are to this day. And what happened was the process I used to teach was like a three hour involved. You go into your history, your childhood, you you'd do the empathy thing, you'd, you'd do NLP based memory changes and you'd all sorts take about three hours in about two minutes flat it just went shrimp it's like when the when the ice melts on on the car you know it's suddenly the whole big lump just goes boom off the edge and i was like holy crap that was weird yeah <laughs> but I'm it came with that kind of this is the answer to your prayer and you know and i was like okay what does that mean i'm used to teaching these big chunky you know cognitive processes how can i tell anyone that this is anything so i spent about 18 months just playing with it testing it with clients and my therapist friends going i'm gonna there's some six lines a bit silly but again and again people would go oh my god that's like magic how does that work and over that time i got to go well why does it work why is this little process so leveraged? And it took, took a while and, and to really understand it. But I started to get that taking things personally is kind of fundamentally the mechanism of how we exist. So because if you think about taking things personally, what you're saying is that's me, that is. So you're identifying with something. And when you identify with something, you make it matter to you. And when it matters to you, I love that word matter, it comes into form. And there's two ways we take things personally. We say, that's me, that is, or we exclude ourselves from it and say, that's not me. So they have the money, I don't, and that's not me. But that's still a way of personalizing something in a distinct way. And then I thought, well, that's pretty profound, but what is it based on? Well, it's based on the idea, the sort of quantum model, everything is energy. And, and, and so in, in the energetic model, uh, the quantum physicist will tell us that basically everything is non-local. Nothing exists distinctly locally. I'd say that's not personal. Fundamentally, everything is energy. It's waves. So my analogy for that is radio waves. We understand that the BBC World Service right now is broadcasting throughout the entire world. It's going through your body, Nikki. It's going through listener. It's going through your body right now. You've got the World Service happening through your body. Those waves are coming through your body. But you're not, unless you're tuned in, 
you're not experiencing it. So that tuning in piece is where you take something personally, you tune into that specific frequency, but fundamentally nothing is personal. Mm -hmm. They're just potential waves, thought waves, experiential waves that can manifest. Um, and so that's a lot for six lines, but, <laughs> but, but the, that's what I've come to understand is it helps some somewhere inside you're really saying that's not actually me. And that frees up the possibility of going from that, what I call Velcro world, where it's kind of all sticks to you, to Teflon world, where the stuff that doesn't really resonate can just slide off with that shawump effect. Um, and hence, I guess it caught it caught fire and, and spread, spread pretty wildly. Yeah. And... Um and can you give us a flavor of what the six lines are? I know what the six lines are, but maybe, maybe just, yeah, you, you kind of told us the first one, but maybe take us just a little bit deeper. Well, I could, I, I'm happy to give you the six lines. It's, it's like, so the, the, there's parts to the, the MPA, the core MPA process under which there's the whole non-personal philosophy. Um, it starts with this blah. So the blah is that that's where the artistry in the process comes is from identifying um, what is the label where the identif identification is held that points to the energy that is stuck or not moving or out to come in or, or to go out. And I call it a cookie cutter because <laughs> it's like you take the, the, the sort of the star shaped you and into the infinite cookie dough of life. You know, and you, you create a distinct little shape out of it. So once you find that, you put it in the blank space. It's this. Let's say, let's, let's make one up. Um, a cookie cutter might be, because it could be a word. It could be a gesture. It could be um, a sentence. So maybe it's, I'm not good enough. Classic. Yeah. Classic, I'm not good enough. Um, so you'd say this, I'm not good enough. Then the next line is this energy of I'm not good enough. So that brings our attention to the fact that it's, just energy mm. but energy still has charge <laughs> yeah. then you say this pure energy of i'm not good enough is not personal so that just offers that perspective it's pure energy that means it's neutral it's just energy and it's not personal it's not me you repeat that bit three times and then there's the bit that people get stuck with you say then and i am willing to experience it mm. and what that really does is it um it allows you to really let it continue through its cycle. Anything that has come into your cycle of experience is already being experienced. I don't want to experience it. Well, you already are. If you're willing to experience it, then there's a, a going with it, the Aikido effect, if you like, or the catching the cricket ball effect for those of us raised having to play cricket. <laughs> well, those are the six lines. And then the, the process is in the discovery of what, the thing is that you put in the blank space, the process itself and the space afterwards where, you know, people have revelations and sometimes nothing. And that's fine, too, because sometimes the response is non-local as well. Um, and you kind of just you, you work with it and see where it takes you. Yeah, it's, a, it's such a, a simple tool and so powerful. That's what I like about it. Yeah, yeah, and and I know um, you you've really delved into the issue of conflict because a lot of this is around conflict, isn't it? Whether it's 
conflict within ourselves or conflict with somebody else, something external. Um, and you, you've come up with a harmony equation. So yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I love the idea of a harmony equation. Um, you know, I, I, well, I love the word harmony, but to have an equation around that, and I'm guessing it's different for, for each of us. Different for different different people in different circumstances. Yeah, so tell us a bit about that. Yeah, yeah, this comes back to, well, firstly, conflict. Conflict is at the core of so many things. Um, Really, I'm speaking to to coaches and, you know, therapists, and they're finding people are stuck often, not always, but often somewhere in there is conflict and and a discomfort with conflict um, or a seemingly unresolvable conflict that if you can help resolve that in some way, then the gears begin to move again and you can move into often what is, you know, beyond that initial conflict. So any comfort zone that you come up against, any resistance that you come up against, quite often that's an indicator of, um, of conflict. And, and our, our society, our modern, certainly our Western society is, is riddled with baked in conflicts because we don't quite get that we are, complex contradictory creatures at heart so but the thing about the cookie cutters in mpa is i started to realize that people sort of have their own maps of the pieces of the puzzle and if there was a way that we could identify or help them identify without the dogma without the logic without all the stuff all the often learned therapeutic you know lingo and all the rest of it just what's the simple map of what needs to happen here then then that would be really interesting. So in the harmony equation, it is at the heart of what I call the integration frame. So from MPA, basic MPA, there's about nearly 40 frames, which are all like equations or maps, which, which I teach in, in a mastery, which was our practitioner training. If you want to do non-personal awareness as a certified practitioner. But I thought that the harmony equation is, is the one, the integration frame is the one that I probably used the most. Um, time and again the people that i've taught it to and use it in their practice or you know again i know a lot of your audience aren't i'm not a therapist you can still use this it's 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 simple what i do one of my genius things i say is is like i can make really complex things simple i don't know why maybe i'm just lazy (laughs) it helps we all have we all have our motivations um but yeah so what you're really doing is you're first of all identifying what are the parts that are in conflict and then what's the map? And it's it's a very simple way to allow the answers to pop out of the client so that you get a remedy for one side, a remedy for the other side. And then from that, when you then read that back, bang, the resolution comes. And the resolution in the situation is finding the, the label for the energy in, where both parts can fully get behind it. And within that, then we add in the MPA, which balances out all the energies. And it's amazingly profound when you do that with different parts. Number of times I've had clients go, wow, (laughs) just simply like, oh, my God, I've been wrestling with that my entire life. Mm -hmm. In fact, as part because we're doing the event, the Harmony Equation, where I'm I'm teaching this is coming up this month. 
And um, and one of the things is a derivative is is the harmony equation. It is the integration frame, but it's very targeted, and I call it the parental frame. Mm. I I it's my personal belief. <laughs> It would be really great if everybody did at least a parental frame because it takes your parents as the core conflict and then you work out if mum you know did this and dad did this then there would be the thing that that would actually resolve and let me land fully in this in this world can, so that's can you can you give us an example Joel? of so, like a parental frame yeah yeah um well, I can I can think of when it first was born. Most of the stuff that is born through me, I say, pops out by accident. I was I was working in the Bahamas. It's a rough gig, but somebody's got to do it. <laughs> I was teaching MPA out there, and and I was doing a bunch of sort of one to one sessions with people. And there was this lady who came in, and she was in this sort of very heightened state of of self condemnation. But she was a self confessed perfectionist and high achiever and you know and all this stuff um and then out of me in a very non as most people have trained way and um do we do do we do language in this podcast I didn't ask you before because it's fine (laughs) it's fine good because literally what I said is who the fuck told you you weren't good enough and I was like like I said to the song, where did that come from? You know, you don't do that with a client because I, I almost stood up because in a way, I guess I was matching your energy, but it was like, who the fuck told you you weren't good enough? And she literally said, well, my parents were good people, really. Wow. And then, and then what came out of me was, was this harmony equation, like out of nowhere, literally because there's a there's some setup questions i use what i call mindless sentence completion because it creates a void and we got to the core of what um what from her perspective her mummy to let go of and let in and what her dad need to let go of and let go in, and then there would be and she got she literally said harmony okay. was the thing so harmony is like a general word you might think of but in that moment that's the thing that resonated so strongly with her mm. And she said to me afterwards, because then, then we MPA everything that's come out of that. So we use the MPA process to not take it personally, disidentify from it and just let it all flow. So and after that, that process, I did the follow up with her and she was like, it's really weird because there's a strange sense of peace come over me. But she said, the weird thing is I've been trying to lose weight for years and I haven't particularly done anything. <laughs> <laughs> But the weight's kind of fallen off and, and wow. it was like one of those. And I see that a lot, these weird side benefits that had happened. But to me, the thing was that there was it was almost like this foundational stone within her where she was hanging on to this parental conflict, which is not even her. It's like it's the parents, but we internalize it. And and by helping her find the resolution, there was a relaxation at a foundational level from which a lot of things then righted themselves all by themselves, mm. which is what I find a lot with MPA because it works at identity. So a lot of the beliefs, emotions and, and behaviours sort of automatically change once you shift the identity. Yeah, so that, that's really powerful. So there's a, a, a few things that I'm hearing here. One is that um, that at the core is, is identity and, and that's where you're working. You're working with the core so and on top of the core of identity there's like beliefs and all those other things 
but you're working at that level with identity yeah and that shifts that shifts beliefs and that shifts all sorts of other things too like you were saying about her losing weight yeah because you're working at that level yeah I, I love the whole topic of multiple personality disorder, which is now called, um, I think it's called, uh, oh gosh, it's DID. But I'm trying to think what it stands for and it's gone out of my brain. Uh, yeah. But it's I, in the studies, they've shown that um, there are vast physiological differences in what they call different alters. Alters are the different alter egos or different personalities to the point where they've seen in one altar, someone will have scar tissue, and in another altar, they will not have scar Gosh. tissue. I mean, that is insane, but it speaks to the quantum physics. So the, the current studies of this, because they're starting to look and go, hang on a minute. <laughs> um, that means there's a different physiological as well as psychological blueprint or pattern that goes along with the personality. And what is the personality and identity? So, and if you think about it just on an ordinary level, because I'm not encouraging us all to get into a clinical disorder of multiple personalities, but we kind of are all multiple personality at a more subtle level. And so when you work with an identity, just the simple one of being a, a good girl or a bad girl, if you're identifying as a good girl without even trying the kind of beliefs you're going to have around it, and therefore the emotions you have around it and the behaviors you do are gonna be very automatic because you're in the, I'm a good girl. And if you're, I'm a bad girl, similarly, they're gonna change. So if you shift the identity, those things sort of, because the identity is in charge. Mm. And it's one of the issues that, that can be the case with working at the belief level, for example, yeah. because if you, if you don't shift the identity, that identity is very creative and very invested in survival, by the way. Yeah. So we can get very creative about how it massages the beliefs and changes them around, but still keeps its core effect and therefore the emotions and behaviors and various different expressions of that through beliefs. Mm. And of course, sometimes a belief will hit um, an identity and then that's, you'll see the massive shift then. So it's, it's kind of, and I, by the way, I'm just, I'm not knocking belief work. It's really important, really, really good to do belief work. I'm just pointing to, I've noticed one of the reasons why MPA is so simple and so leveraged is it taps into that personalization, which is fundamentally identification. Yeah. And, and it sounds like it really acknowledges the fact that even, even if you, even if you identify as being a good girl, um, you know, that's not 100% true. You know, because I grew up with that notion of now you've got to be a good girl and, and then being rewarded for being a good girl. But there was a, a kind of another side of me that, you know, got away with murder, actually. And my sister <laughs> hated me for it. She really did. Because I think what happened was we got into this situation where um, our our parents um, and more lastly, my mum, um, saw me as the good girl and saw Jill as the bad girl, you know? Uh, and so we were kind of playing out these roles, but we equally had, I had the bad girl and she equally had the good girl. But because of the roles, the identity that, that um, yeah, my mum was looking through, 
um, it ended up in this situation that she got exactly what she was looking for because that's the lens that she was looking through. Yeah. But my sister knew that I was getting away with murder. I was bunking off school and, you know, not going to lessons and all sorts of stuff. And my Nikki, I never knew this about you. <laughs> I know, I know. But my sister wasn't doing any of that. But my mum thought she was. Yeah. And I was getting away with it because it wasn't part of her lens of how she saw me. And so I could see how that becomes internalized, you know, and I could have ended up thinking, really, I'm a good girl. <laughs> But I know the reality is I'm not. <laughs> yeah. And I've got lots of evidence to prove that I'm not. So, yeah, so that identity is key, really, isn't it? Recognizing that actually we're all these things. We're not and just one. When you acknowledge that these things are kind of alive in you, again, identity is an interesting word. It's got entity yeah. in it and ID, id, self-entity. Yeah. And so it's it's one of those fascinating things is when we start to go, well, like that's why I like the multiple personality sort of as a as a pointer to the human condition because they do have their life so there's times they come out to play yeah. and in those times they're activating that energy which is sponsoring a whole bunch of beliefs behaviors and feelings mm. so archetypes are a good example if you go into the victim archetype you know you can have a whole different energy around you and the things your lenses you wear are going to be very different to when you're in some other possibly more healthy you know part of you yeah. and then they of course those things can come into conflict with each other when there's a situation where it's not clear which one is um is going to be most helpful that's mm -hmm. where you get conflict and stuckness and confusion and resentment and all those things can build up which is of course where the harmony equation can really help yeah, and I can see how that would be really useful. And and the harmony equation, I know you've got an event coming up and um, we'll, we've got information about that in the episode notes for people to click on and find out more. And we've also got some information about MPA um, and a link to that too for people to find out more. Um, and the thing about the harmony equation, I know um, it's useful for practitioners to have this as a tool. But because there's so much unresolved conflict in the world, you know, and <laughs> um, within relationships, I can see how this would be of benefit to anybody, actually. You know, it's not just about practitioners, is it? It's, it's kind of, it's understanding yourself as well and understanding um, how you can help people around you. You don't have to be a practitioner to, no, you to use those tools yeah. yeah one of my my things is the fact that things seem to pop out of me in a simple way or given to me in a simple way that all the tools that, that I seem to come up with can can be used by anyone it's one of the reasons I say I love helping um coaches and therapists and change workers in in really coming into mastery because you have to acknowledge that a lot of this stuff, if, if you learn it, like say someone who's not, not a coach or a therapist and thinks, I'd really like to learn that, then come, come to the harmony equation. Um, you know, it'll be taught for coaches, but that, but I will, you'll get it. <laughs> and you can then use it. You can use it in your life. You can use it with your family. You know, it's so simple. MPA is very simple. And I love that about it. And it's like, um, you know, these days you can take an SLR camera out and you can take a decent picture. 
you can do that and it's good i love what people can do that but if you want to be an artist if you want to there's a difference there's mm-hmm. and it starts to get more subtle and more subtle and more subtle on what makes that difference and that's i guess where my interest in terms of certifying non-personal awareness practitioners is that level of mastery but absolutely uh, come along i'd love to have you and and learn it and just get it in get it into the hands of <laughs> people who go i think i need to resolve some conflict come and find out about it yeah which is probably all of us at some point in our lives isn't it <laughs> that's fantastic joel that that really is and and so yeah you know as you're listening to this just notice in the episode notes there are um hyperlinks there so that you can find out more about these events more about these processes that Joel and I have been talking about today and Joel as we come up on time is there anything else you would have liked me to have asked you or anything you'd like to say before we close um I've really enjoyed this conversation I love where you've you've taken us in this or we've taken each other together um I think just just if you if you have an inkling that this may be helpful, just go check out the links. It's very simple. It's the mpacademy.com slash harmony for the event. And on that site, the mpacademy.com, you can download the MPA process for free. Go do it. You probably you could write the words down, but just it's a nice sheet and it talks you through it. <laughs> go get yeah. that. Um, otherwise, I think, you know, I, it's just been wonderful to talk to you. I really appreciate it. I hope listener you've enjoyed this this interaction and i hope to connect with you soon yeah thank you joel really appreciate your time and thank you listeners for being with us on this podcast episode and i look forward to seeing you in the next one bye for now thanks so much for listening if you've enjoyed this show i'd love you to do me a solid and tell someone about it they can find us on spotify apple google podcasts and most other podcast platforms plus if you visit the website www.babrillianhuman.com you can share the show notes to social media and make my day also make sure you hit that follow button and if you haven't yet downloaded the mpa process sheet head on over to joelyoungmpa.com and get your free copy today big love and see you next time